on this week's Superhero Show Show. We'll find out if Favorite Queen will be a new sci-fi favorite like Winona Earp and Dark Matter, if the Incredible Hulk TV show from the 70s convinces us that peak TV was actually 40 years ago, and if Nina will start drinking so much she'll be a panelist on the Superhero Show Show. All of that and more on the Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be your host for this evening. I am joined, as always, by my two very good friends. First, of course, is Ryan. Cassie, did you do that thing at the beginning of the show? I just got here, where you like listed three things that we're going to talk about tonight? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, so how, how many times so far, just in this like brand new episode we're doing, have you, say, have you said superhero show show? I'm going for the under is at least 20. I don't know because I've lost count, but I think it's going to good. We might have hit 20 right off the bat. 20 solo or if all of us say superhero show show? No, to start this off, like 20 me solo. I like to just be the one who says it at least 20 times and then you guys can come in. So superhero I get, solo? Yeah, solo show show. I also I can't wait for all of those uh, cues where we're supposed to all three say it at the same time, but we're quarantined and in different places over the internet, <laughs> so it's just going to be a fucking cacophony of bullshit. <laughs> Much unlike the the name of the show when you just say it by yourself. <laughs> I also think that I mean that was the board's first idea for a name after they heard our auditions was cacophony of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, hey, speaking of cacophonies, hey Mike, how's it going? You're here. Good, I'm I'm here. Uh, I jumped in before you introduced. Me. I just got so excited to say superhero show show superhero show show. show 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 show. And hearing you say, I think the board put that decree down of say it as much as possible because some people are still saying the show that must not not be named mm-hmm. the old title. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, nope, it's superhero show show. It rolls off the tongue. The old the title that may not be named. That's the Voldemort hour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where we just talk about uh, the Voldemort parts of the Harry Potter movies. You mean the good parts? Yeah. You love that snake-looking motherfucker. I just like how he's he's a snake, but he also needs at least a little bit of a nose, but not a lot of nose. I love the, <laughs> yeah. the tiny amount of nose that guy has. Just a nubbin of a nose. Is there any nose? Because I always thought it was just like skull bone. I didn't see any nose. I thought it was just some holes right there. Yeah, I guess that's it. I guess uh, maybe it goes up and down depending on his tiny little lies. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny little house of lies. Well, you guys, um, how have you been doing? You guys picked up any new hobbies during this quarantine? I wanted to pick locks. Are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was sent by my father-in-law a lock picking kit. <laughs> <laughs> so so many. I think he's clear. Like I have no actual survival skills. So he's like, maybe you could do this. Hold on, we bit a lot on this show. Is this one of those bits? No, this isn't a bit. <laughs> this, this is, is real. this is true life Hollywood stories. Mike Gravano. How good have you gotten? Can you pick any locks? I've unlocked it once. Uh, no way. I'll keep practicing. But the goal is to get so good that you can do it like without looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a clear lock so you can see everything. And then you got to look so you just do it by sound and feel. 
Now oh, that I, I see, because I'm going to be a burglar. Do it on the one you can see through, so then you can go do it on ones you cannot see through. Exactly. Cool, cool. Burglar training. That's what he sent you. Yeah. Is this to go like find toilet paper in unsuspecting mm-hmm. houses? <laughs> he sent he sent me an N95 mask, some nice gloves, like black rubber gloves, and a little like knit beanie from Home Alone. Mm-hmm. I think it might be Joe Pesci's from Home Alone. Is it pre? Fire flame torch on it? No, or? that's why I think it is from the movie because it does have like a little bulb. Like <laughs> it got burnt through. It smells a little. Now that I know this isn't a bit, this is slightly terrifying. Mike, er, <laughs> I'm not into this. Ryan, do you have any? Have you picked up any terrifying hobbies like this? Yeah, mine's similar actually. I made sure before the quarantine, I went to various Toys R Us's, KB toy stores, um, Walden Books, other places that don't exist anymore, uh, to get all of the equipment I would need to set up. Kevin McAllister's exact trappings. <laughs> so I've got the paint can on the rope. I've got the micro machines on the floor. Um, I, I, I often forget that it's all set up. So, so far I have almost killed myself eight or nine times, but <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, it's because you have the emotional maturity of Kevin McAllister, but the body types and age of the Wet Bandits. Both so. of them, yeah. It's disgusting to see me. <laughs> to see like a, a, like a tall Joe Pesci. <laughs> It's like the grossest thing you can possibly look at. Stretched out? Yeah, with the nose of Voldemort. <laughs> I feel like we almost got through one intro without mentioning how disgusting your body is, Ryan, and we were so close. <laughs> Yet here we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's so many reasons why we don't do a video version of the podcast. It's oh, just because we- right now I am uh, laying on my side, eating live frogs <laughs> with a tiny little brown Muppet creature cackling over me. <laughs> There he is. You heard him, right? I'm going to mic him up. <laughs> mic him up. Get him on the pod. Salacious crumb. Well, you guys, speaking of salacious crumb, we got a salacious show coming up. For the main nice. events, we are going to be watching, talking about the series premiere of Vagrant Queen. But before that, we're going to head off to the bullpen and talk about The Incredible Hulk. In early 1977, the head of Universal Television offered producer and writer Kevin Johnson a chance to produce a TV show on any Marvel character he wanted. Johnson's answer? No thank you. Obviously not a superhero fan. Johnson later chose the Hulk after reading Les Miserables. Johnson took every comic book aspect out of it he could, changing the origin story, the supporting characters, and the villains, and instead made it as close to as a serious drama as a show like this could be. The show was a huge hit and spent five years and 80 episodes on CBS. After the popularity waned and the budget seemed like a little too much, NBC made three follow-up movies throughout the 80s and early 90s, one featuring Thor and one featuring Daredevil. A final movie was discussed, but eventually, everyone decided that the end of the Hulk era was here. Success with Hulk as a headliner would never really be found again, as two Hulk movies were considered failures, and everyone decided it would be best for him to be a supporting character. But it needs to be noted that for decades... Hulk was the single most recognizable Marvel character, on par with Spider-Man and far above Wolverine and Iron Man, thanks to this show. It served as proof that extreme popularity in comic books will always be blown away by popularity on television. For tonight's podcast, we watched a bunch of Hulk episodes, including Classics, Classics Married and Prometheus. But let's start with the pilot. The story of the Incredible Hulk begins with a distraught widower trying to bottle up the adrenaline that can make people stronger. And then a mistake in the lab happens. Taste buds, I ask you this. How crazy would it have been to bear witness to this in 1977? And is there anything to hold the interest of today's audience? 
so crazy because the start of this whole show is a 20-minute montage that you've seen the like of every time, just like a married couple being a married couple. It's an art film, man. There's no dialogue <laughs> for so long in this pilot. And the only hint that something's a little weird is all the times where they should be cute, she looks super into it, and he looks angry. They do the baking <laughs> thing, and she gets like some dough on his nose, oh, and he looks pissed. like he's going to hulk out there. Uh, this is, yeah, this is the uh, like montage that we see for a minute or so in either rom-coms or mostly parodies, you know? And instead, mm-hmm. I would say that this is 20 to 25 minutes of <laughs> blaring, blaring romantic music as they do not that romantic of things, you know? Like, Just... one, w- one will balance the checkbook while the other one says, hey, you're balancing the checkbook. <laughs> It's just living. That's all it is. That's why it really did feel like a silent film. I was just like, what the hell is happening? Is it, is it, is it because they were like, well, we know we want her dead because women have no place in comic books. We have no fridging. And that's the one thing we are going to lift from comic books for our show. Uh, but we want him to be angry and distraught. So we need to really hit a third of our pilot should be this montage. Yeah. And so that montage and all of those clips, they have to serve as the thing where like we are we're in love with her and him as much as they are with each other. So we're going to, we're, it's going to be as agonizing for us. And it was agonizing, just not in the way that I think that they thought. The other thing too, is that, I mean, imagine you're 12 in 1977. Uh, and I was not. So before you, you two can make those jokes. Um, Dang it. And you're like, oh my God, the Hulk has a TV show. This is crazy. And you sit down in your PJs and you got your bowl of popcorn and it's 25 minutes of a married couple being married. <laughs> And at that point, you're like, so the Hulk is going to come and kill them. And I cannot wait. (laughs) There was like, it felt like what I compared it to was like their version, like the 70s version of a wiki how. Like it was just teaching people how to live. Like it was just straight up like, this is how you walk to your car. And this is how you start it throughout the whole episode. We got like every aspect of just living. I was like, okay, we can shorten some of this. (laughs) And then they they follow up that long ass montage with not a montage, but a series of so many interviews because we we find out david bruce banner uh is a physician slash research scientist and they're trying to find the adrenaline people but they do the same kind of interview so many times there's so little plot in this hour and a half long pilot um yeah and eventually they come across a woman who um her her son was in a car wreck right and she was able to lift the car up and save her son um, she was a black lady who half of her face burned and it became white. And as she pointed to her scar, uh, you could see her like touch it and then pull her hand away and then fl- like flick her finger off because the makeup came off on her hand. <laughs> Hopefully nobody noticed that. But what's crazy is in order to get rid of all of the gamma radiation and all the Marvel comic bookiness of the Hulk's origin, that what happened was they said um, David Bruce Banner saw this woman be strong and he can't be strong. He couldn't save his wife from the car crash. So he's going to dedicate his life to being this strong so a woman is not stronger than him. It seemed like the major problem yeah. was like that I can't let this woman be stronger than me. Well, it, it was a woman, some homeless-looking guy. But yeah, they really focused on, I was lifting up the car. Like her, because that, that echoes throughout the whole hour and a half, which is why it feels like she's his nemesis. Uh, but it's, I just, he just didn't love his wife enough. Right, yeah. If he loved her, he would have been happy when she put baking dough on his face. She was clearly... <laughs> The, the lady with the, the scar was clearly a good mom who loved her son and then was able to lift a car. If mm-hmm. David Bruce Banner, uh, and have we talked about, or like, do you guys, have you heard about why his name was David? <sighs> Let's talk about it. I know why. Cassie, what's your guess? Why would they change from Bruce Banner to David Banner? 
um, because they don't like the double B. That was that's what they said, sort of, because that's a very Stanley comic book thing. But apparently, there was a little bit more to it. Allegedly, um, that Bruce in back then was your average gay guy's name. I guess everybody uh, who was gay banded together and changed their name to Bruce, Bruce. in su- such legion that uh, they could not name Bruce Banner Bruce Banner. Or homosexuality is in nature versus nurture, pure nurture. So if you name your kid Bruce, they, that's what they thought. You wanted him to be gay. <laughs> and then David is just a man's man name? That's a man name, yeah. <laughs> you know, those Davids. David. David versus Goliath. It's all biblical. I see it now. It was right there. Once we get into the actual like story, once we're away from montage, was this sort of was this sort of like what you guys expected as far as what it's like to watch a, a show from the seventies? As far as tone and pacing go, it I thought the pacing would be a little better. I guess it, it, it it's flabby. It's a flabby hour and a half. Uh, it does not feel like they needed it. Uh, parts of it, like I thought, the love interest was great. She she was as compelling as an actor in this era could be, and she like really hammed it up and threw it in there and said the the skeevy reporter bixby kind of sucks uh but you asked about pacing and tone like so flabby i guess it's flabbier than i expected yeah i mean they really they're like it's it's not like they needed the two hours they were like oh fuck two hours you're forcing <laughs> us that all right we'll we'll try uh the actor who plays david banner that's Bix, that's bill bixby and then there's a reporter hot on the trail where it, that's where the lay Mezerab stuff comes in and just chasing David Banner throughout the entire all eighty episodes, that's Aggressi- aggressively chasing. Yeah, the reporter is chasing him just to get a story. By the way, not a cop, not like uh, a government agent who is trying to save lives. He just wants that story. <laughs> so does he not write a story for five years of his life? <laughs> and he's like, "No, editor, I'm working on this one." And they're like, "About your Mister Hyde man? No." My guess is that the paper, the newspaper, fired him like a year and a half into it. <laughs> And he's just telling his family, no, no, still on the trail, still on the trail. Yeah, he's going to work. <laughs> Do you think Willem Dafoe set up his whole thing based on this reporter? I, I would not be surprised. My favorite part of all of the episodes I watched was with this reporter, who probably has a name, um, where Bixby, or, or David Banner, like, goes up to him and says, like, stop following me around, okay? I didn't do anything. I don't know what the fuck the Hulk is. <laughs> and this is the reporter's also the guy who, you know, coined the term. It's like, oh, this... Hulk running around, but David uh, Banner's yelling at the reporter and says, "Like, leave me alone, get away from me." And then David leaves, and the reporter, to no one, says, "The camera pulls in." He's like, "I always get my man," <laughs> and then pulls out the mo- the biggest lady sunglasses I have ever seen and puts them on <laughs> oh, and walks yes. away. So he's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite reporter moment, if we like real quick while we're just talking about him, was when he pulled up to the, they were outside the Institute talking and he just has a cast of the Hulk's foot from when he hulked out that one time. <laughs> just a giant cast of his foot. I was like, in what world? How? He pulls it Did out he of a tight- have the, the foot batter in his trunk <laughs> to do that. Oh, He's ready I, for anything. <laughs> I have never heard a more disgusting term <laughs> than foot batter. That's how you make cast. Also, the, the cast is as big as Lou Ferrigno's torso. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think let's get into that. Like the difference between, um, you know, David and Goliath. I thought it was a cool idea. You know, there was no mm-hmm. CGI so that they had to just cast two leads as this person, you know, uh, Bill Bixby is the small one and Lou Ferrigno, this wrestler, bodybuilder, as the Hulk. But he is a large 
normal sized human. You know, yeah. like this is not what we've seen in the Avengers movies or in the comic books where he is, you know, eight feet tall and many times. They've, they definitely try to make up for that in the size of his hair. They're like, we'll distract them <laughs> with this bushy Beatles wig. I also love how it seemed like there was no script supervisor as far as hair goes. Because every time they cut back, it was an entirely different wig. That Why would they buy these one-use-only wigs, film the shot, have to throw it away, and then grab another one? I will say, Ferrigno's ripped. Oh, yeah. There, there's a part where he has muscles on muscles on his shoulders. It was cr- And, like, my wife watched it with me, and she might divorce me, uh, and asked, she was like, is that a bodysuit? I was like, that's just the dude, which is impressive. That but scene yeah. when he first transforms got me at first, because, first of all, it is a very slow motion again with the pacing. It spins so long on each muscle of his. But then it was. I was like, at first, I was like, oh, dang, the special effects are good here. And I was like, oh, hold up, that's actual real muscle. This dude is beefy. <laughs> So therefore, bad special effects. They had to use bad. real muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's there's a couple of things going on too in the pilot as far as uh, we hate comic books, you know, and it's the amount of inspirations besides that, you know, like we did the Les Mes one, but also there's some clear Frankenstein shit going on, you know. Oh yeah. A giant green monster comes up to a little girl in a lake. I wonder yeah. where they got that. Um, and then. Like Cassie, with the transformation thing, made me realize that this is just a long form werewolf story, and that's not something that we really ever get. You know, like werewolf stories are two hours, and it's about the transformation, and then they die or kill themselves. And this is what would it be like to be a werewolf for eighty episodes of television? <laughs> and he never plays basketball. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> that's bullshit. And also some King Kong because he takes uh, the blonde doctor into a cave. And she's like, you're okay. We're good. Yes. Okay. And then, so the blonde doctor, that's, Mike, you were saying that's the second love interest, right? Yeah. That's at the pilot. At the end of the pilot movie, she dies as well. He, double fridge. Double fridge. We In this one origin story, we've got a double fridge. They could have tightened up this whole thing. He doesn't need an emotional reason to be a doctor. Most doctors don't have a tragic origin. They just went to med school <laughs> She's the love interest, and then we're not confused because it's been less than a year than his wife died, and this lady looks ready to jump David's bones so quick. She's like, "Oh, is it your wife?" But like titillated, not like not empathetic. All right, so yeah, let's uh, let's take a break real quick, and then we'll get to the end of the pilot and see what happened to <laughs> what happened to Hulk on the rest of his adventures. So after all of the pilot has gone down and we've basically gotten about 20 minutes of story across two hours, the thing that sort of kicks off the whole show is that um, David Banner or the Hulk is blamed for this lady exploding. Um, And what I would say was finally like some real TV, you know, magic. I thought that the Uh whole end, I thought the whole lab exploding and it's like a Universal Studios stunt show where (laughs) fire will just fly out of a window for no reason. Um, But we also have him seeing the lady and on the floor trapped from outside and then breaking down the wall and jumping in in slow motion. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. And that's the, I was like, yes, this is the Hulk. Why did you avoid the Hulk so much of the Hulk? (laughs) (laughs) Like, just, I know, just do that. Uh, and it's not just that he is blamed for her death. We see his own funeral, and because they were friends and coworkers, they are buried side by side, though nothing is buried for David. Maybe a shirt. There was probably three people on the planet who knew that they knew each other. But yeah. no, let's do double funeral. And then she, her, they didn't use a coffin for her. They used a fridge. 
that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what's fucked up is double funeral, I guess because she had a body and people came. Her tombstone was three times the size of his. Rude. If you're going to do a double funeral, it's got to be even. Well, they didn't know. They didn't have a tombstone in their hand, so they used that uh, foot cast of the Hulk <laughs> and just turned it around and wrote shit on it. That was one and thing. It is. <laughs> No, that, yeah, that was one thing that did surprise me. Back to like, so they, I feel like the amount of explosions used on this show is absolutely buck wild because like when that building <laughs> exploded at the end, it straight up had like a mushroom cloud. Like, I don't know the what amount of budget was put into explosions, but they wrecked stuff. Like there is no, there, there was one dude who was like, no, I'm literally going to blow stuff up and that is why I'm here. For all we know, it was like <laughs> stock footage from the government. Yeah. Like on that ground, millions of Japanese people were dying, but hey, let's use it for our <laughs> video. Can we edit out the screams? So the Hulk has no choice but to uh, go on the run, and then we get our first taste of... Uh, the only thing that I knew about this TV show, which was at the end of every episode, somebody would say, hey, you should stay. And he's like, I just can't. And he would turn around and walk down the street, probably leaving a car right there, um, and go on to the next town. To sad piano music. Yes, to the <laughs> sad piano music, which I think, believe it or not, Family Guy was where I found out about this yeah. long before any sort of actual TV show. Then we get to these two other movies. Okay, The internet told us that a uh, two-parter called Married and a two-parter called Prometheus uh, were like the best that Hulk had to offer. Let's start with Married. Who watched Married? I watched Married. Okay. So how is this different than the pilot, would you say? Um, new chick. Also, like, that was, like, the one thing that changed. Like, Bruce Banner just moves on from chick to chick. Also, he still doesn't respect the women. Like, she was straight up like, I can't help you. Like, I, I can't do anything. And he just follows her. He's like, do you want to accept no? And then just follows her to her place. Like, literally, the only thing that changed is uh, he was more of a dick towards women. And then they end up getting with this chick. And that was it. So, yeah, uh, this is the case with Prometheus, too. There has to be a girl involved that he's going to fall in love with immediately even though he should be protecting these people from the fucking Hulk. Um, <laughs> Which is, in theory, why he keeps leaving. Right. To protect people, not to fall in love in every fucking small town across America. But no, it doesn't seem like it's an accident. Like Cassie said about him following her, like he's there to fall in love. Like He's just <laughs> going from town to town finding new girls. Uh, what's special about this girl is that she's dying very soon. Um, <laughs> nice. He's going to try and save her, even though that seems impossible at this point. And also, what's very important about this episode is that they buy a walk to make dinner in. God. And when they talk about using the walk, they use the most obscene uh, Chinese voices I have ever heard two white people doing. It is two times it comes up in the show because he does it once when he brings it in. And then he's calling from a payphone like, I need to get more ingredients. Does it again. I'm like, oh, you guys hit it twice, huh? It, from, the what? F- from the phone booth, he's like, oh, I can, I can hear that she's sad. Because of her cancer or whatever. <laughs> oh, I know what'll cheer her up. And then goes into full in Chinese voice. That is upsetting. Yeah, it is. Um, what's special about this uh, is that in the end, in the at the end of this two parter, um, she finds out that she's going to die in like ten days. She's got ten days, so she drives away without telling him. Goes to a bar, gets shit faced. Meets two of the sparthiest late seventies dudes <laughs> you have ever seen. They take her back to the house. He somehow finds out where she is, and so he's like, hey, I'm here to rescue her. They're like, nuh-uh, bud. She's drunk and passed out. You're not taking her. We're going to go to town on her. And so he becomes the Hulk and throws these two swingers around their own fucking swinging apartment, uh, grabs one guy to throw him by the hair, but his wig comes off. So the Hulk just stops and laughs at him. 
I was so nervous that we weren't going to get some like severely 70s shit in the 70s show. <laughs> but this, the ending of this totally made up for it. At no point did the Hulk do Kung Fu, because that would have gone very 70s. <laughs> you would think with all of the good impressions of Asian people he could do, <laughs> that he'd be able to whip out some Kung Fu, no problem. The severely, severely like 70s shit in it was that like the place she showed up to was just called Swingers, which she pulled in coming off the highway, did a sick J-turn into the parking lot and just walked yes. out. But then straight up, the place is called Swingers, and it's just like, this is where you go if you're looking for somebody to like bone with. And that was like the whole premise. And it, it, it totally worked. Like, they came up and were like, hey, what's up, baby? And she was like, yes, I am a baby. And then <laughs> they were just about to go to town on each other. Until uh, the Hulk ruined it. The best part, though, about the party is that it was two guys and two girls. And the other girl that was not David's um, that her love interest sat there the, the entire time. And when David was fighting, she was like, far out. Yeah. And when be- he became the Hulk, and the Hulk started fighting, same exact response. <laughs> was not like changed at all by the fact that now he is giant and green. Either be more or less into it. Don't be equally into it when somebody becomes a different thing in front of you. <laughs> that would have been awesome if she was less impressed. It's like, oh, I was watching oh. that normal-looking guy fight. I wanted to see that doctor fight. And then we get to Prometheus. This is towards the end of the run where a giant meteor crashes on the planet. What? <laughs> that um, sort of makes uh, Hulk and David like in the middle. And it's hard for him to transform fully back into one. He just keeps green eyes and the big hair as Bill Bixby <laughs> for a lot of it. Was Lou pissed? Like, did that cut out of Lou time? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and the big one here is that he falls in love with a girl. Uh <laughs> And she is blind. And so uh, she like this helps the transformation thing. When he uh, can't fully transform one way or the other, she doesn't know. She can't see him. but So he just has to try and act like normal David <laughs> as half Hulk, half David. This is amazing. <laughs> She's like, is something wrong? He's like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Things are fine. <laughs> That's what, like, like, All right, I'm blind, so I guess... <laughs> I guess Yes, he's fine. I have no way to check this. But that's like the Hulk just grunts constantly. So was he grunting a little bit or is it just a voice difference? No, yeah. It was mostly like grunts that were almost like closer to Scooby-Doo. Yeah. How he can sort of like form his grunts into actual words. That's what it was like. Okay. So in Married, he insults Asian people. In this, he insults specifically Lou Ferrigno with his impressions. <laughs> Yeah, and blind people. I think that there's there's a lot of uh, he just he's moving the salt slightly to the left, <laughs> or just filling it with cocaine. Um, yeah, this guy, this performance is a a little flirty, and it's weird to listen to him talk to women. It's creepy and it's gross, and I think that he thinks it's funny, but watching him do the same thing to all these various women throughout the show, mm-hmm. there is a weird factor to it i'm not i think what he's trying to do is create a character for david so people aren't just always like waiting for the hulk but it does not work so yeah nobody's like yeah i want the creep guy to be there (laughs) well except for far out girl (laughs) (laughs) so i watched uh, i guess i thought i watched the right one i watched a different one where he's now working with skydivers and so little was about even david he was just one of four people who worked at a skydiving place and a Crooked Senator wanted to run them all out of town. It was, this felt the most 70s. It felt like a bad episode of Dallas. 
So, and I was like, oh, I could tell you were about to be canceled. Like, there's very little Hulk. There's these two mustachioed cops who literally try to burn normal people alive for very little reason. Well, they're mustaches. They're mustaches. I, I do like that this show knew cops and politicians were fucking crooked in the 70s and was brave enough to say it. Way before we figured it out today. <laughs> um, did Mike Hulk jump out of an airplane? No. Oh. Oh, he, he, yeah, he, his parachute wasn't working, and then it was. And then the evil cops, it wasn't just like, we might accidentally kill people. They then started to, they thought he was somebody else, shoot the cords. That This is how good they are. And it's because Vietnam had just happened, so they're all sharpshooters. Uh, they shot his cords, so like 20 feet above the ground, he fell into a shed and hulked through the shed. I see. Okay. So this is how they, they didn't have to show the transformation, because they're like, it happened. <laughs> um, part of like the way that they... Uh started writing the show was they would have a group of writers just make a list of things they thought Hulk should do. And then they would create entire episodes around whatever was on that list. So one of them was like, what if Hulk like, you know, was pushed out of a plane Mm -hmm. and that is how you got that entire episode. (laughs) Much like the pilot where it was way too much montage. There was so many just long musical interludes of people skydiving throughout this episode. (laughs) It was crazy. It looked like an ad for skydiving. 30 minute show. What about that? Make a 30 minute show and then you don't have to include all that extra shit. Uh, the thing that was in the episode of Prometheus, the thing that was on the Hulk list of what, what if the, wouldn't this be cool is David gets started uh, or gets stung by a lot of bees <laughs> and starts getting really aggravated. So then he becomes Hulk in order to not be aggravated. But <laughs> the best part about it was I, look, it's probably safer to be stung as, as Hulk as opposed to David. But it's just David going, ow, ow, get away. And then he transforms. And then it's just Hulk going, ow, ow, get away. <laughs> like, it's not like Hulk had some sort of B strategy that helped him out. It was the same exact thing. Just one was, you know, flesh colored and the other was green colored. <laughs> I love that so much. I feel like the Hulk should have thicker skin. Like in all the episodes, he was always yeah. getting cut and stuff and like hurting his knuckles. I, was like, I feel like he should have a little bit of thicker skin. But yeah, we saw at the roast of the Incredible Hulk that he is does not he's very sensitive little baby (laughs) yeah he's a little baby (laughs) guys if uh the board decided that we were going to watch four more episodes for next week's superhero show show what is your response to the board please no my marriage (laughs) cannot take it yeah i would walk out and protest it simply will not stand all right so maybe next week we'll move on to watching something else but if this was it and we just had to talk about these four this is your entire experience what how would you wrap it up what would you say I would say I'm glad, I guess, that it helped push comics into the mainstream. But, like, I've watched a lot of old superhero shit, and this I do think is the worst. Out of, out of Batman 66, Wonder Woman, and even George Reeves' Superman, this is, the, I would, this is my last choice to watch if I had to choose one of those. Well, I wonder how much of that is because of what a diehard comic book fan you are, and all of that shit was comic booky as shit, you know? Yeah, it's all goofy and fun, and this is sad sacky as shit. <laughs> so sad, so serious. Cassie, how'd you do? I mean, there was some parts that were, like, entertaining, but it just, it needed to be cut down. So, like, if they could wrap it, like, if we could go back and, like, do an editor's cut on that, like, let me get in there and edit that, then I would be into it. It was just simply too long. I love, you know, I love the, the fact that we are, like, connoisseurs of storytelling, and we come on here and we discuss what is, what makes storytelling great every week with each other. But for this shit, if we just watch, like, a 17-minute uh, Hulk supercut on YouTube, oh. I just watch the Hulk being the Hulk. I, we could have reviewed that instead. Let's get Topher Grace on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Incredible Hulk. 
Uh, when we come back, I'm going to hand the show back over to Cassie, and we're going to review Vagrant Queen. All right. Welcome back for the main event. On the series premiere of Vagrant Queen, we are introduced to Alita, a former space queen turned scavenger who is on the run from the bureaucracy that overthrew her family. She eventually escapes off the base and is now traveling through space with her newly formed crew, consisting of a hot mechanic, an old frenemy, and thankfully not the half-dog, half-human monstrosity called Nim. Taste buds, I ask you this. Does it seem like this show has embraced the cheesiness and found their voice after just one episode, or is it going to take a bit longer? I think it's going to take a bit longer. It it could definitely use a little more fun, a little I think while I don't want to look at Nim, I God think no. embrace the spirit of the Nim uh and have it be weird. Even everybody else is in this world with aliens that look like him and they were even disgusted the whole time they were talking <laughs> to him. I found out what happens on a little bit about what happens on episode 2. And, and? Nim dies in episode 2. Well, thank so, God. So there's a lot of Nim in episode two, just so you guys know. Oh, uh, thank but you he, for preparing. So Nim, so they're trying to get off the space station the whole time to get away from the Republic, and then Nim, Nim is the first person who's like fully on Alita's side, and he has grenades, and instead of throwing one, mm-hmm. he just holds it, and they run away, so they don't die. Yeah, they the, just the, the stormtroopers. He could have thrown it and been fine. That's what, he's but very bad at it. Pain. <laughs> I would I would end it if I looked like that for sure. But then he st- he also knows it's very important. He knows karate, and that was for no <laughs> reason either. Like he just like the show has moments where it knows what it is, like moments like that. But then it seems to lose it. But because Nim, like literally, he does some karate and then blows himself up. So like it's the weirdest combination. Let's let's talk. Let's get into Nim because uh, I'm going to guess <laughs> that a lot of a lot of listeners uh, did not catch Vagrant Queen uh, at its premiere. Maybe. This conversation will, you know, uh, get them to go back. But Nim, we're dealing with almost all humans and even the alien humans. I thought they did a really good job of changing just a feature or two. Mm-hmm. Usually, horns or ears, right? And it, a lot of it was with the eyes. And mm-hmm. um, I thought that they looked good, especially on what I'm assume going to assume is a pretty low budget. Nim, however, is played by an actor. I did a lot of research. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Played by an actor who's like, uh, he's got a disease where he's like 35 or so, but looks as if he's 12. Mm. It's not Benjamin Buttons. It's not, nothing's in reverse. It's closer to like how half of the stars of 80s shows just had yeah. this, you know, disease that left them small. Um, and so it's not, it's not a little kid in this costume. And I think that helps a lot. And I think it's in the eyes. I think Nim's eyes and the actor who plays Nim. Uh, has seen some shit, I think, <laughs> because uh, it like he name is a three foot two dog person, um, and but with some of the most human eyes that I have ever seen. <laughs> When they were creating Nim, it was like they cats came out and they saw it as a fucking challenge. They were like, okay, we can make something way worse than this. And then Nim was created and immediately destroyed. What's great about the eyes that have seen some shit is that it makes it feel like it's a character moment that Nim is so joyful as a choice. He's been through horrible atrocities and decides to be as happy and go lucky as he is. In a show that has that wears all of its inspirations on its sleeve, so much so that you might call it copying, um, as far as like Star Wars, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Nim is straight up uh, barf from Spaceballs. <laughs> he's, a, he's a tiny barf from Spaceballs. And the way that he looks and talks, and most importantly, too, the same thing as John Candy from Spaceballs, um, pretty good like face makeup, and the head looks great, but his hands are two giant, poorly made <laughs> gloves that he just waves around when he's doing karate. 
Uh, I, I think I did really like is the I thought the stormtrooper bad guys looked good, but they they sound muffled. It's not a great technology. They don't even have the voice control like stormtroopers do, uh, and their voices are all doofy because they are not great soldiers. They are just like goobers in black armor, and it added to it. I thought, and th- everyone in the show. I think this is the thing that the show does the best is they're all people. You know, there's some like extreme like the villain is sort of like overly villainous Mm -hmm. but for the most part they're just people that would be in any other show in this situation as opposed to most science fiction shows which everyone talks like a nerd and everyone uses like all of these stats every time they talk about spaceships or whatever these people are the whole time going like what the fuck this is crazy we should get out of here and that although i think the show needs some punch-up work as far as comedy goes i think that the punchlines do not hit like the show wishes they did I think that just the normal, not funny interactions is what the show has. Yeah, I, I Alita and Tim Rosen, uh, when they who's Doc Holliday on Winona and Mutt on Shit's Creek, like them just going back and forth. I'm into. I think they'll get into a groove. I also think picking his character being somewhere in between his two other characters, we know. I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's like one thing for the positive for the show is that I feel like all the actors do know the type of show that they're in and they are they do seem committed without a doubt. Like that bad guy, like he comes out on that he's fully in that character and he's just like posing it out at certain times. Like they get the level of show that they're on and they are I do think selling that. Cuz Nim was fully committed too. <laughs> I didn't read Vagrant Queen, but based on what I've read about it, um it had this tone you know, mm. and uh, after watching all of these uh, TV shows based on comic books, I'm starting to realize that the tone of the initial comic is so much more important than any of the facts or story or details in the comic. Yes. And you you can't take a, a comic like Vagrant Queen and then make something very, very, very serious. You know, um, mm. whereas like you can't make Lock and Key a joke. I've heard that that comic book is very, very self serious, and that that's why we have the show that we have. I'm glad that. You know, Vagrant Queen set itself up to be silly as a comic book. Therefore, we didn't have to sit through another fucking self-serious superhero show. And then, yeah, one, it's nice for us, so it sticks out. But this also seems to be, like, sci-fi as a channel's bailiwick. Like, they're all about, like, let's take dumb comic books nobody really likes and make fun, dumb shows based in Canada. Like, (laughs) that's their whole thing. Do you think that's a smart move? Because nobody has, like, if they're not super attached to it, do you feel like they're more open to watching it, because and then like willing to accept whatever sci-fi creates with it, I think so. Yeah, especially because they're not going to get a large audience based on people who know the the source material. You mm-hmm. know, like right. they're they're probably not paying very much money for the property, but they're also there's no built-in audience, so that means that they can sort of do more what they want and they can tone it more towards what sci-fi does. So it's not just that Vagrant Queen is sort of silly. But also sci-fi is as well. But the, the, one of the things that encapsulates the silliness that worked really well for me, and you see this, it is lifted directly from Star Wars, but everybody does this where the good guys dress up like the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, two separate groups of good guys who have not talked to each other at all yet do that and almost kill each other. And I'm like, if every episode is a moment like this, I'm fully in. Yeah, I think this was the most important moment of the episode. It, like to have just a little bit of a twist, a little bit of comedic twist on this trope we have seen a billion times. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know? yeah. The other one that I thought came close is, uh, in the very beginning, Aaliyah is, is dealing with two, I don't know, 
they're like bounty hunters or something. And she, instead of killing one of them, she cuts his arm off. And instead of never seeing that guy again, like we would in Star Wars, we have to deal with his whole like, oh my God, my arm came off. He's just screaming in pain. And you can feel him like looking through his future and re- thinking that like all of his plans now have, he only has one arm for everything. There's repercussions to this shit, even if you're just some lowly stormtrooper or uh, bounty hunter. And it lets you know what she's about. She did that on purpose to hurt him more forever than to just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> The, the show has those moments where it's like really like it hits and it hits the scene exactly what I wanted from the show because at, at its base level it has everything that I should love about a TV show but it did seem to fall just a little bit flat and I don't know if it's just going to take more time to get there or what will get it there but it might be I us hope- growing with it. I mean, we talk about Winona Earp so much and in particular our reaction to the pilot which was not super positive and I think there's two things that go on. One, where they have to figure out their level yet, and I think they will get better. But two, maybe Winona Earp didn't get that much better than the pilot. Maybe we just weren't on its level yet, you know? Right. And like now we have some vagrant queen experience. And the second episode, even if it's the same quality, will be better for us because we have a better understanding of what to expect. Uh, another, like, a bar setting thing, if they continue this, is uh, Alita's name is Alita. Her real name was like Alita. And yeah. even Nim, who loves her, is like, mm, okay, <laughs> maybe choose a different name. I mean, Zach Rosen straight up is like, uh, great job there, coming up with the thing. Let's talk about her, though, too, because last week we focused on Stumptown, and we talked about decks and complicated characters, and not one-note girls. So, many, so often our uh, female leads are a little one-note and can do it all. What do you guys think about Alita? in this field that also gives us Dex and Winona. I think she is not as good as she thinks she is, which helps. And I think that, that she shares that with Dex and Winona, but they both actually have skills and she sort of does, but she definitely thinks she can handle her shit way more than she can handle, which means she's kind of a fuck up and I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely seems like she she's kind of like it feels like we are watching like kind of her transformation like we're coming in the middle of it. She's not fully who she will be yet. Like she's just starting off into this. So then we'll get to like join in that with her because it isn't like she's not like she's not great yet. So I think that the, that middle transformation that we're in is a really interesting one because it's her it's post teenage rebellion and now it's but it's not fully mature. It's in that middle of trying to figure out what was I rebelling against for rebellion's sake Mm -hmm. and what was actually good that I was rebelling against and will create a better person, world, kingdom, whatever. Queendom, excuse me. (laughs) Thank you. And like, I I think a big character moment, we got a couple of flashbacks of when her mom was still alive. Uh, The one I thought that like mattered was, I don't need to learn how she fought. We don't need to see that. But her mom, the one lesson her mom taught her is literally never trust anybody. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, her mom said that and then died. So she's like, well, the only thing I remember from my mom's bed night stories (laughs) is never trust anybody. It was like her mom said, never trust anyone. And also, except for me, and just say, no, I'll never die. (laughs) And then just fucking died. So, okay. So ultimate lesson. Yeah. Really don't trust anybody. But uh, spoiler for the end of it, the mom is actually still alive. So how long do you guys think until we catch up with mom? Is that going to be a whole season thing of us chasing or will she ever get to mom? Yeah, I would say that's a good aim for the end of the first season. Yeah, Just, you know? I think so. If it's next episode, that, that kind of kills 
part of the just right in way. <laughs> First thing I do once uh, daughter and mother are together and restarted the kingdom is uh, start a school for learning how to throw grenades. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to really help out all of the people that follow them. That's sc- they are not close range weapons. <laughs> school already has a mascot set, making a bulldog. <laughs> all in honor. Yeah. Uh, yes, Nim, you helped us out so much. We have no choice but to give you the honorable honorable position of running around and cheerleading <laughs> for all of our space sports games. You know what? He's got the karate moves. I would be into that. That's a role for him that I'm more into, probably. Yeah. You know what? Let me take that grenade out of your hand. I'm going to put a pom-pom there because that's going to be less dangerous to you. By the way, did you see that uh, Like after they left, they left Nim there after he pulled the pin. And everybody else, you know, jumped out of the way and that, like, TV, a grenade went off. And it j- all it did was, like, shoot me safe to landing. <laughs> Except they cut back to Nim and he's laying on the ground mangled in a giant puddle of blood. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did to that little puppy boy. Uh, the fighting scenes were cool. Like, that was what, another scene that brought me back was, like, the freeze frame um, fighting scenes where you just see la- the lasers midpoint. And it's got, like, that the music to the background, too. Like, that, they're the brief moments where it does really shine, I feel. Yeah, as much as the jokes I don't think hit, I will say that it, there was this, and as much as they like want to be amateur, they're embracing it, there was this professional quality. Like It feels like they already know what they're doing for a pilot. And it helps that it's dirty as shit, which is I don't want clean space. Mm-hmm. Like Things would get dirty so fast, and this is a grungy, gritty show, uh, looks-wise. Right. How do you think it's, it stacks up to the other sci-fi shows? The, sci-fi hasn't had the best luck with their ones. I know I was on the show where we reviewed the pilot of Krypton, which was terrible. So how are you guys thinking this one stacks up? What are its chances? I mean, Krypton has the exact same, or the exact opposite problem, rather, right? Like, it was so serious that mm-hmm. it was just boring, and there was nothing to hook you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is already better than Krypton could ever be. And so we love Winona. I had a soft spot in my heart for Dark Matter. I don't think it's quite there, but I could see it surpassing Dark Matter. That's not going to be that hard. Yeah, that's there is like like you guys said, like there was nothing bringing me back to Krypton, but like this one, I, there's at least something that I will come back to it. Like I got to give it to another shot. I can't drop it after this one. So I'm hoping yeah. like enough people. We'll see how it goes. Uh, three. How about three? I know of three people three who are going to watch the go. second episode. <laughs> sci-fi is just to drool over Tim Rosen. <laughs> so Sci-Fi Channel, you got three people watching it. If you guys want to join us, it is on the Sci-Fi Channel on Fridays. Yep. Fridays. Yeah, Fridays. Fridays. And that is it for the main event, you guys. Coming up next, we're going to go over to our poll list and talk about all the other shows this week. Welcome to the poll list. We're going to start this off with The Walking Dead. On this week's episode of The Walking Dead, heroes and villains reckon with the aftermath of the hilltop fire. Eugene takes a group on a journey to meet Stephanie with the hopes of befriending another civilization. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Befriending another civilization. No question, just that. Befriending another civilization. Stop trying. <laughs> it never turns out good. Stop trying. Also, I mean, they don't want good, that. The show's over, right? Yeah. Right. They don't want to befriend. They want to be enemy. <laughs> yeah, just go in guns a-blazing right away. Don't do the whole, oh, should we? Can we trust them? Oh, I've never seen this from the show before. But, but that's the whole, like, uh, you know die a hero or live long enough to become a villain in the beginning mm-hmm. of the show they were all there's a way to like befriend other civilizations at this point they have to realize there's not become <laughs> negan become the villains it's the only way to go that's the pop filter stance at least 
<laughs> yeah. And they, like, have, but they just, like, bemoan it every time or convince themselves that they're not. But they fully, they have gone Negan. They just think they're better. Do you guys want to talk about Lock and Key? Please. Yeah, okay. let's just move on to that. Walking Dead is on Sundays on the AMC. Next show of the week is Lock and Key. On episode eight of Lock and Key, Tyler and Kinsey are torn when they figure out why Nina is acting so happily. Meanwhile, Bodie meets Rufus and Ellie's house guest, who happens to be her dead ex-boyfriend, still looking like he did in high school. Taste buds ask you this. What do you think the show's trying to say when adults forget magic, but alcohol alcoholic adults totally remember <laughs> magic? Oh, man. The conversation between Tyler and uh, Kinsey about, mm-hmm. like, mom's drunk and she's an alcoholic and we have to stop that. And then the other one's like, yeah, but it makes her remember. Maybe <laughs> we, should, we should just get her drunk all the time. Also, I like it, it shows, like, the different kids' responses and, like, experience with their mom being a drunk because her their mom is just a little too happy the day after the Sam stuff went down. And Kinsey's like, what is it? And he's like, she's drinking again. Like, there's not a question in his mind. He's like, I know exactly what it is. I've been through this. She's drunk again. Well, the thing, like... Watching her handle the liquor, which is uh, pound a bottle of vodka, brush your teeth for 45 minutes, pound two bottles of like mouthwash, and then come back out. Bitch, okay, fine. You don't smell like vodka, <laughs> but nobody reeks of mouthwash like yeah. that unless something is going on. <laughs> and if you brush your teeth for 45 minutes, those gums be bleeding. Super receding on those. Can we talk, though, uh, real quick about how Nina plays drunk, how the actress plays drunk? I've never seen a performance like this. She looks high as fuck. She's happy, and this is not drunk people. This is what drunk people think they act like. Um, right. But she is so happy and friendly and smiley and not falling all over the place. I, is the actress who plays Nina someone who has never actually drank before? <laughs> or she doesn't want to like act bad drunk, so she did this new take on it. Which is to not act drag at all, just a little methy. Like she's going to clean the whole house right now. <laughs> it was a little methy, and then just her movements are a little bit slower. Like you can see, she's like really thinking about each thing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but it's not drunk. Like me on the dance floor. Just yeah. like, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put an arm up now. I guess I'm not sure. The winchy- do I leave the arm? How long do I leave the arm up? <laughs> when <laughs> you can tell she's full on drunk, uh, at least mom drunk. When uh, the kids have friends come over. She's like, hey, how are you? That's yes. when she goes drunk mom monster. Th- that felt real and I hate it. Yeah. She nailed that one. That was like... Th- there's something about her energy. The detective, when he comes to check on her, he was not into her the first time they interrupted. And this time he's just like, hey. So, uh. <laughs> but then he just stares at her cup and he's like, oh, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it took, I don't know so how he made that jump. You. He probably does. He was like, or he came from that. He all had, he had a friend with that mom too. He's like, oh, I see the themed mug. I know there's alcohol in that. I know what this I, means. I had a friend with that mom and I fucked her. So <laughs> I'm going to hang around this house. <laughs> but drunk mom discovering magic. So she does, figures out how to work the, like, I don't know if it's a mending key that works to, like, this cabinet, but she's figured out that if she puts stuff in this cabinet, turns the key, it fixes things. So she then proceeds to bring Rendell back to life, and that was a terrifying moment. This, like, low-level moment yeah. of necromancy. I was like, this cannot go well. <laughs> I thought it was going to be just, like, a bubbling pile of ash that could talk. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't work the way she thought. It ended up not working at all, but it's so crazy for her to not remember magic exists. The, the cabinet fixed her mug, and so she went... I bet I could put ashes in there. Like she, she next level jumped right away. I was like, you don't think there'd be a couple more steps before you get to ashes? Okay, that's a, that's a little drunk too. I would say you, you see one sort of crazy thing and you jump to levels like that. Um, but dude, 
How like should we be showing Pet Cemetery to everyone in grade school so we don't try to do this stuff? Yeah, for if, if if it had worked and the ashes came back to life, it would just be a monster version of the original person. Here's a question: Do we think that's what's happening with Dodge? I forget Dodge's Dodge Echo Lucas. Name. Dodge Echo <laughs> Lucas, uh, because Ellie at one point was sneaking around the lock house, uh, and then he showed up a couple episodes later. Do we think she had his bones, and that's why it worked? But Dodge has been running around. So is there Dodge and Echo, and is there Lucas? Or has there always been Dodge, Echo, Lucas? I think that Dodge is this villain who changes what they look like to be Echo and Lucas and maybe other people. Mm. Yeah. So was a villain back when they were high school friends? Yeah, that's my guess. And like, I don't know if it's a demon or something. No matter what, Tyler right. fucks something strange. Yeah. <laughs> like something... In the neighborhood. <laughs> He Dan Aykroyd for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, if we're going to jump to that, if we're going to jump to the the Echo Lucas of it all, a couple of things. One, um, I don't necessarily want to find out that I fucked a dude unless it looks like Lucas, and I sort of think I'm okay with that. And also, perfect, I would say perfect casting. Like, if Dodge can change what they look like, Echo and Lucas sort of look similar you know like that was yeah, good casting related it, yeah it's similar al- eyebrows it's almost like dodge can change uh what they look like as long as it sort of looks like this type of person <laughs> mm-hmm. the initial clay to work from is somewhat similar uh, that's what it was so similar that i felt dumb that i didn't know that as soon as they brought in lucas because there was this kid lucas and i was like who the fuck is this i don't know this and then they like they made the transfer <laughs> i don't care about this kid he's just a little creep and then it was echo i was like oh dang but yeah and- now do you guys – I think that Lucas is definitely who killed the principal, not Ellie. She was there to try to get him. Thoughts? Oh, yeah. No, Ellie is fine. Ellie is totally innocent in all of this. It's uh, There's like 10 bad guys, and I think that they're all just Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> and alcohol. And, of course, alcohol. Never forget. Uh, just a quick flip back to – a moment that felt drunk is when she was very exuberant talking to all the kids. She then like, after being happy and too chuckly, she stops and goes, this is as close as we get to attending our own funerals and watch the kids all melt in horror and an embarrassment. <laughs> and then just walks out. You know what? I was totally wrong about her performance as a drunk. <laughs> I know that we're it's talking about it. Dead on. So, uh, um, yeah, the episode ends with uh, them finding the Omega key, which is what Echo is after, which I'm assuming is going to open that door down below. So what do you guys think is going to, like, what could possibly be down there? Cthulhu? C- probably Cthulhu. Cthulhu, but sort of has a similar face to Echo and Lucas. <laughs> um, but hold on, real quick. The Omega key, they find out that the Omega key, uh, Rendell, is that seriously mm-hmm. his stupid name? Rendell uh, left it in his head. And so... When they burned his body, (laughs) it was all of his fleshy, bony ashes, and then also the key. A full, perfect That's what happens if you have, like, metal fillings. Then the metal fillings come out? Yeah. So you have a jar full of ash and, like, fillings and stuff. Or screws if you have, like, a shoulder screw. I'm worried. If if Tyler was to be cremated right now, would it just be ashes and then that... stack of Jane Eyre. (laughs) That giant book that he threw in his head? I don't know. I don't know about the leaf there. Mike, I'm worried about this character development where now you can pick locks and you just know what burns up when you burn a body and what doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend these skills aren't completely related. <laughs> I'm nervous, too, because I don't have any like fillings in my teeth, but I, put, I threw a ton of fillings into my head when I had that key open. <laughs> so 
This is going to rain fillings at some point. Mm-hmm. Just rain of fillings. All right. Well, do you guys have uh, moments of the week? Uh, yeah. So they've all they've wanted is Nina to know what's going on. And the minute Nina's like, Kinsey, I think there's magic. Instead of talking to her mom and giving her the down low, she just goes, I need to talk to Tyler and leaves the room because <laughs> this is such a broken relationship at this point. Yeah, you're either that sibling or the other sibling, and everyone knows already which one they are. Does your mom talk to you, or does she ask where your brother or sister is? Uh, My moment of the week is Nina does this amazing thing where the cup comes back together, and she doesn't know about the keys, or she doesn't really remember. She thinks that maybe it's the wardrobe that is magic, but also it could be her. So she like waves her hand in such a way where like just in case I need to have the magic come from me and then does that. And the whole time you know, she has that fucking giant goofy drunk grin on her face. You know what? Maybe she did play it well. I think we were discovering. But uh my moment of the week is also with drunk mom, but it's when she went to find her hidden stash of alcohol and it was just in the bathroom with like the cleaning supplies cuz that's such a mom move. She just like a passive aggressive like even she'll be like I'm gonna hide this where the kids will never go with the cleaning supplies. <laughs> like I think that's so fucking mom move. <laughs> okay, and but again, like you're on a TV show. If you do that I guarantee that there will be an episode where you grab the wrong bottle because the bottle of vodka and the bottle of cleaner look exactly the same. <laughs> That's an episode of the OC, right? Job done. <laughs> All right. Well, Lock and Key is on Netflix, uh, so you can watch that whenever. And that is the entirety of our pull list, you guys. We have done it. It was two episodes this week. So, so short. So short. So now all we have to do all that good outro stuff. Ryan, can you tell me about some websites? Yes, yourpopfilter.com is our home-based website. That's where you can go to get all of our podcasts with players on each of the pages to listen to the podcast. I, I think that you can download the shows from there if that is what you're into. You can also get all the articles that we write. Yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Go to there and make that your new Amazon bookmark. If you buy from there... Actually, I'm pretty sure that we, we're supposed to start telling people to not buy anything from Amazon. Yeah, I don't want to be a scab, so... Don't do this for a while. Yeah, we'll let you know, but you can go back to it again. But if you're not going to stop, then use this one. But don't I mean, do it. Use it. Yeah, but not right now. <laughs> don't but, go out of your way to use but it. But definitely use it. And then also patreon.com slash your pop filter. That's our Patreon page. That's where you can help us the most and not uh, pay for Amazon to keep taking over the world and the rainforest, probably. Uh, patreon.com slash your pop filter is where you can go pick a tier. Um, and get extra super bonus stuff that you can't just get for free. Our free stuff is garbage. But when you pay for it, it's pretty good. <laughs> That's when we really bring it. Micah, should people rate this podcast? And if so, where would they go? I would love if they did. Uh, go to ratethispodcast.com slash superhero. And wherever you... The easiest way to rate, it'll take you there. Uh, while you're there, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You could also check out Movie of the Year, where our friend Greg makes us fight. And also sometimes we talk about movies. And then there's the OCD, where nobody makes Ryan and I fight. And we just get to talk episode by episode of the OC. And... If you want more of Cassie and less of us two numbnuts, check out Unnatural 20s. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Ryan, people want to get it. We're on social media. We're active on there. I believe so, yes. I it's mean, a active, great time. That, that's a weird word, but uh, we have a Twitter account. Follow us at Your Pop Filter. Our Instagram is at Your Pop Filter. I think that's it. End of list. That's All it. Right, cool. That's it. We also got email. Yeah, we're checking that for sure. That email is Mike contact at 
yourpopfilter.com. That is all that we have to plug for you guys. Next week, we're going to be digging into the Walking Dead finale. We're all very excited for it, if you can tell from Mike's groan right there. Mike, can we get that groan directly into Mike? I think the people want that. <sighs> I lied. Like <laughs> it's one of those zombies that's on the show. <laughs> all right. They're called walkers. Oh, look at who who's a big fan of the show. So tune in. Mike's going to have some real opinions on that. That has been it for this week, you guys. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For Cassie, I am Nim, and Nim is dead. Bye, everybody. Bye.